Hey there, this is Gail Gallagher, New Faith New Media producer and host of Faith and What Resonates. What you're about to hear is an episode of Blessed Lunatics, our Patreon-exclusive podcast. Blessed Lunatics is a show where myself, Wesley Morrison Sloat, Reverend Michelle Byerly, and Father Andrew Miller explore the divine through laughter, which basically means we get together on a Zoom on a Friday night with drinks in hand and talk about different topics. We've been doing this for a year now, and so we're trying something new where we are releasing our uh, episodes from the previous year into the main feed. If you want to support New Faith New Media on a monthly basis and get access to Blessed Lunatics as it comes out, make sure to check out our Patreon and become a member at patreon.com slash nfnm. Your support makes all the difference uh, and keeps this from like becoming a Squarespace commercial or whatever. Anyway, on to the silliness. Imagine, if you will, a church that welcomes and invites everyone into relationship with God, but never resorts to fear, or guilt, or intimidation to coerce that relationship. You have just entered the Episcopal Zone. Hello, loyal New Faith New Media listeners. This is the second episode of West Lunatics, the comedy roundtable podcast that we're recording as part of our as a reward for our Patreon patrons. If you're hearing this, it's because you have committed to supporting New Faith New Media with at least two dollars a month. I am Wesley Morrison Sloat, Unitarian Universalist, Mystic Humanist, editor of A Priest and a, ba- and a Pastor Walk into a Movie Theater and jerk of all trades of the network in general. With me are Gail Gallagher, professional musician um, and host of the podcast Faith and What, and I'm sorry, host of Faith and What Resonates, <coughs> Andrew Miller, um, ortho- pre- Orthodox priest. God damn it. We can, we can introduce <laughs> hey, ourselves. That's an odd way to put it. Orthodox <laughs> priest, god damn it. <laughs> Oh, dear. With me are with me are these random jerks who are going to introduce themselves now. Gail Gallagher. Um, I hope I'm a Unitarian Universalist, Catholic adjacent, and I host uh, Faith in What Resonates. And I'm Michelle Byerly. I am a pastor in the United Methodist Church, coming to you from a new appointment location. Andrew Miller, I'm an old Catholic priest, goddammit, and I co-host with Michelle, a pastor and a priest, walk into a movie theater. Thank you all for joining us today. We're recording on July 2nd, 2021. Just uh, to review our rules, uh, we're not going to go into them as as in-depth as we did last episode. Uh, Our five rules are punch up, not down, tell the jokes that need telling, respect boundaries even as you push them, give credit where credit is due, and tell your joke and stop talking. 
So, because we are four proud millennials, our our uh, episode this week this time is going to concentrate on memes. Uh, we acknowledge that this is going to be awkward, as this is an audit audio format, but let's give this a try. <laughs> we are so screwed. And we will enjoy it. <laughs> There's another joke that I could tell there, but... Uh... The beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> da 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 Beep! <laughs> you like a da 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 Meow! Meow! Uh... <laughs> Well, I can go. I can go first. I uh, if 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 uh, this if y'all will allow it. Um, the no. meme that I thought of immediately today, which I uh, described before this recording started, there's a meme that shows God in bed with his laptop on his lap, and uh, and and the caption says, "And on the seventh day, God rested." Well. He tried to rest, but he had poor li- work-life balance, so he just sort of pulled up a Google Doc while watching an old episode of Dexter, just in case any ideas came to his mind. <laughs> and I felt incredibly seen by that meme, because I am that yeah. person. Except I don't and really is watch that Dexter. How, well, is that how we ended up with the platypus? Um, I think that might be how we ended up with the platypus, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, because all your best ideas happen while you're thinking about something else. I took it in a different direction. <laughs> um, but yeah, what are some of y'all's favorite memes? <laughs> well, this one I've seen a, a couple times this week. It was, I don't know if it counts as a meme, but it's an internet funny. So we're going with it. Somebody tweeted, we should just pin all the debt in the world to one guy and then kill him. And somebody else responded. I think you just invented Christianity. <laughs> There's a great South Park episode on that. So the one that came to my mind is very seasonal, but it comes out usually around um, December 6th, St. Nicholas Day. And it's a picture, it's kind of like an icon of St. Nick, but it's like, Gave to the poor, suffered for faith, saved girls from brothels, prevented murder and miracles. Still remembered for losing his temper and punching Arius. <laughs> Who's oh. Arius? Uh, a heretic. Yeah. He denied the... Well, actually, he was a Unitarian. <laughs> Ooh. Was he... Did, did St. Nicholas punch him for being a heretic or for being yes. a jerk? Yeah, there was this big down oh, and out brawl <laughs> at uh, one of the councils, I think. No, it was, it was Nicaea. Uh, and um, uh, it was in response to him that the Council of Nicaea was called, actually. Hmm. Um, he uh, uh, denied the full divinity of Jesus. Um, believe that... Uh, Jesus was not co-equal with the Father. So. Mm. <gasps> Gasp. Yeah, sounds like some Unitarian shit to me. <laughs> no. Totally, totally Unitarian. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, he, <laughs> I'm just, so he sounds like a cool dude to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, he wasn't Pelagius, so we'll give him that. Yeah. You know, so speaking of, so when we have the Shavala Smiths on, the thing that I remember from that history class was doing the infomercials on the different heretics. And we oh, did, yeah. And we did Pelagianism. Oh. Can you, oh, and it was. Explain to our audience what you what you what you mean there. Uh, yeah, when we have the people on. <laughs> yeah, so um, in seminary, I took a class, and Andrew took the same one at a different time, with a couple of adjunct professors at the seminary, and it was basically the early part of Christian history, and so um, he would do kind of the lecture information stuff. She would do more of the activities and and those kinds of things and so we did infomercials on different heretics and what we learned was that heresies were basically i put it as you know where faith didn't get it quite right is that that's probably an oversimplification but that's how i always describe it Hmm. inaccuracies about god or jesus or faith usually it's an and so we had to come up with infomercials that taught about the different ones. And so I did Pelagianism and Pelagius was pretty heavy towards the works righteousness side. And he basically believed that you could earn your salvation. And so we did the crank, crank, crank your way to Christ. <laughs> that <laughs> I was did our really tagline. I did. I did Pelagius too, actually, and I uh, basically the way uh, uh, Dr. Charlotte Smith put it was is that Pelagius was a very American-like fellow, very <laughs> into um, uh, individualism and hard work and that sort of thing. And so I basically went all capitalist on it and did an impression of Billy Mays. Hi, Billy Mays. Pelagius here. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I, I just- mean. Oh, I just realized how amazing that class must be because, like, seminary people are all uh, would just, yeah. This this sounds like a very joyful, good time. <laughs> we were going to interrupt one of his with a "No one expects the United Methodist Inquisition." But <laughs> yeah. our chief weapons are reason, reason and scripture. Are two chief weapons: reason, scripture, reason, and scripture tradition. And... Three, three chief weapons: reason, scripture, tradition, and experience. Are four, four chief weapons. <laughs> Not the book of discipline. <sighs> the company book of discipline. Okay. <laughs> Listener, we are Pythonites. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But so you you, um, remind me of the names of these professors. The um... Tony and Charmaine Shavala Smith. And they will be pastor and a priest walk into a movie theater. We they have announced formally the video, the movie that they would like us to review with them, and that is Maleficent Two: Mistress of Evil. Oh boy! Oh yeah! That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. So I, that will I, be your yeah. that will be your second Disney movie, right? Yep. Okay. We're gonna get sued. Well, anyway, my God, we're taking the CSs with us. <laughs> well, anyway, the um the thing is the the family that my mom and I go on Saturdays to watch Star Trek with, um the the Peters, the 
Chris Peters goes to my church with me, Second Unitarian of Omaha, and his wife, uh, Jessica, is a Community of Christ pastor. And I was telling them that the, the, your friends are gonna be doing this with you. And they're like, oh, we've taken classes with them. We know them. Everybody gosh. in Community of Christ knows the CS. And I, was, <laughs> and I was like, gosh darn it, how small is the freaking world? No, no, you don't. You don't get to to be a community of Christ pastor without encountering Tony and Charmaine. You you just don't. Yeah. Tony's Tony's. Uh, uh, I think his title is uh, theologian in residence at. Community right, that's what they were saying. Yeah. yeah. But, but so I was going to say the uh, the heresies. Um, I feel like the heresies are like if. If the heresies were today, they would be called denominations. If the denominations were were 1800 years ago, we they would fight it out in a brawl and all the losers would get tied to stakes and lit on fire. Well, the only had... difference, the only difference is 18 centuries. I mean, the the church tended to leave folks alone until they um, um, wanted their uh, land. Well, um, the doctrines which tended to upset the church, particularly in the Christian East, were doctrines that had to do with the person of Jesus and the nature of God. So, for instance, when it came to um, the, the, St. Augustine is reputed to have said in essentials, unity and non-essentials or liberty and all things charity. Um, and the, the, there was a kind of unofficial consensus until about the 10th century, give or take, whereby the, the doctrines that we're primarily concerned with are the doctrines that deal with the person of Christ and, and, and the doctrine of the Trinity and that sort of thing. And, and disagreement over other matters is, uh, we can kind of work our way through it. Of course, it's more, it's more, um, more complicated than that. Um, for instance, the church didn't really care too much if lay people didn't understand these things and that doesn't to this point the problem is is when people start to teach um what uh what the church doesn't teach so hmm. so until they wanted their land in a sense i mean yeah no, I, I, and, I, I, I mean, I even my, my big disagreement there is what is essential, because it's like, so the your th so if they say the divinity of Christ being Christ is literally the son of God, as in God literally descended and got jiggy with Mary, as no. opposed to like Zeus well, let me finish my freaking point. As opposed to all, all humanity was created by God in God's image. Therefore, all human, humanity is divine. That is more essential than love thy neighbor, do good works. Why is that more essential? And why is saying, all right, Rome, get your thumb out of your ass and help people more heretical? Well, I don't think saying "all right, Rome, get your thumb out of your ass and help people" is is essential. Um, the reason why um, 
doctrine was considered essential by the early church um, and certain doctrines in particular, uh, most particularly um, the person of Jesus didn't really have to do with uh, abstraction. It had to do with, with encounter. I mean, orthodox theology is a theology of encounter, a theology where you look into the eyes of the person, this historical person, Jesus, and come to realize this person is God. And well, yeah, there, there is a difference in traditional theism between divinity and humanity, although humanity is made in God's image. The third thing I would say is, is that, well, um, and un unfortunately, I'm not sure that it always did produce the right practice, but, you know, I'm, I'm drawing blanks and it's because I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you know I, i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna do this dear listener how many how many of you have seen um my cousin Vinny? my cousin Vinny, ever seen it yeah. everything that guy just said is bullshit there there i'm done i've only seen the um the lawyer real lawyer reacts to my cousin Vinny because i couldn't find anything find it online for free yeah. that, that's that's it have you do Okay, who's watched a movie through a reaction to the movie? Because I feel like, I feel like that's definitely a thing. I've I've done that with books too. Yeah. <laughs> um, if we if we wanted to go back to memes, yes, meme please. thank heavens. Yeah, I kind of um, threw a soft track there, guys. In, in, in case anybody, uh. But I will go. But one of my favorite memes that I will always share every time it comes out, it, it so it shows a person sitting on the edge of a cliff and they're like looking at this and there's like the sun is brilliant and beautiful and there's a beautiful sky and they're sitting at the edge of a cliff looking at like a canyon and then it says, um, when we have nothing but God, we realize that God is enough, but we shouldn't sit on the edge of cliffs. That's just dumb. <laughs> yes. And I yes. feel like this speaks to something deep that that resonates with our audience as far as like yeah. <laughs> Well, it reminds me of that that joke that you made with Saint Sparkle Bear of mm -hmm. when God opens when God closes a door, he opens a window and now my heating bill is incredibly that, high and that there's is a raccoon also, in my house. That is also my other favorite meme is yes, exactly. When God shuts a door, he opens a window, and now there's a, the heating bill is really high, and there's a raccoon in my house. This has to stop, God. Um. <laughs> there's a, uh, a fellow drinking uh, a glass of wine, and, uh, oh, you're tired of my anti-religion posts. Well, why don't you just pray for me to stop? <laughs> um. Actually, there's so there was a there was a TikTok video that uh went like that that like I I just obsessed over for a little bit, but it's it's basically um oh it's it's like a song about being a teenage atheist and like upsetting people and I can't remember how it all goes, but it was very very good, um yeah. and and it was it uh I'll have to I'll have to find it later, but that was. Yeah, that but the whole like point of it, it was just like you're there there's being an atheist and then there's like being that atheist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Hmm. Right. Well, and like I 
after betting in this or this I'm not drunk but mm. I, I might as well be at this point uh, drunken argument with Andrew about uh, the, Sorry, the, the Wesley. <laughs> what <laughs> Sorry Wesley Sorry Andrew you almost uh, turned but, the whole uh, episode we embrace the, love in both diversity and conflict. <laughs> inf- infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Vulcan. Well, um, I'm a Vul- I'm I'm a Vulcan who embraces his emotions. Cyborg. And, and likes to have sex more than once every seven years. <clears throat> but um. <laughs> I wish that you guys wouldn't get muted when you're not the one speaking because I would have really liked to get Gail and Michelle's simultaneous light laps there on that joke. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, but the what was the point I was going to make? I have completely forgotten. Uh, <laughs> I, I I have I speaking of of debates though. Um, have you ever? Oh, I've, I remembered. I'm oh, sorry. Go, you you go. make your point. Then I'll make my point. Oh no! This this is a meme tangent. This is like a whole. This is a whole story. So finish your point if you have your point, and then I'll go. Okay. My my point was that um, with all of this stuff coming out about the um, indigenous children's residential schools and all of the mass graves that have been being found, horrible crimes against humanity. Um, I, what, like two thirds of them were run by Catholics, by the Catholic Church, and most of the rest of them run by other large churches. Uh, method, uh, at the time, Methodist, Anglican, etc. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are saying that um, tax exemptions for for churches and religious organizations should go away. Mm-hmm. I am a raving socialist liberal. I still disagree with that point. Mm-hmm. Those churches, which still exist in those forms, should pay reparations. Absolutely. Uh, churches which aren't truly acting as nonprofits, like mega churches, should lose their nonprofit status. I do, however, believe that churches which are acting in good faith as nonprofit organizations deserve to be nonprofit organizations. Mm-hmm. I would agree. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there are churches that do a lot of good. Yeah. yeah. But the Catholic Church, which also is the Vatican, which is a micro-nation and gets diplomatic privileges as such, to be things fair, get weird. Mm-hmm. To be fair, we're talking about the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'm working on getting into that habit. I will work harder. Though to be fair, my, the, the non-Roman cat, my, my 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 movement has figured this all out, and and we have You've solved all the problems. Solved <laughs> all of these problems. We're perfect, and we don't have anything else to worry about. I'm being sarcastic, dear listeners. We can't. Yes, right. And the the Unitarians have no past sins that we have to atone for neither universalists we've never committed any crimes in our past i don't know people who've done research on the string of um of uh fundamentalist humanism uh nope there's nothing about that there's nothing about that in the uu's but that's fundamentalist humanism yeah um that's that's a that's a whole other thing and i need to i need to look in, into this this friend's 
work. Also, hey, fireworks are happening in Chicago right yeah. now because we're recording this Fourth of July weekend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, everybody has yeah. their complex no. issues. So, <laughs> speaking of Fourth of July, if I can riff for a second, yes. Why in the world does the conference set it up that our first Sunday preaching is the freaking Fourth of July weekend? Oh no. And like yeah. they and they so how does that work? Did they like just how often how often like when they switch people around, is that like a <laughs> a large movement? Do they like shuffle everybody or I'm drunk. Um, so, <laughs> so please so tell me is... about how Methodist shuffling goes. So I think there is a meme about that actually. Oh like, good. <laughs> there's moving trucks and like Methodist pastors in the summertime or something like that. Okay. You know, so we definitely do keep the moving business happy. Mm -hmm. Um so theoretically every year the bishop and cabinet review the appointments and say is this a good fit is this not mm -hmm. and they make all of their moves i envision that they either have like these trading cards or they have a dartboard with a map oh my god <laughs> and each pastor is a dart <laughs> now i know it's a lot more it's a lot more prayerful than that yeah Generally. may the lord guide this dart <laughs> well, no, I, I'm just, I'm really, yeah, that's, yeah. That, I hadn't thought about that before, but I'm like, oh, yeah, they just like, they, yeah. they shuffle well, you around. I didn't, well, but yeah. like, Mich my dad and is also a pastor in the same conference as Michelle, the same Methodist conference. They mm -hmm. both got moved this past weekend, this past week, mm -hmm. and now they are uh, an hour apart. So now I can go visit them both at once. Woo! Mm. Um, <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, oh wow! Wait, what? Okay. Um. <laughs> so my my dad's now in uh, a slightly larger town than Michelle is. Okay. Uh, so my dad is now in the town with a Walmart. Ooh. So, so now when Michelle needs to go to Walmart, she'll be going to the town my dad is in. So. Ooh. But they they both got what might be called a promotion in that they both got moved to churches which are large enough that they only have to serve at one church okay so. mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's... but then that transition yeah. happens right around the first weekend in july mm -hmm. this year right. it happens to fall on the fourth of july and there is a big huge spilling of theological ink around that conversation of and I, i'm also preaching on the fourth of july this year but being a unitarian universalist i was able to make the declaration there will be no patriotism in church this sunday um whereas them as united methodists weren't able to do that yeah. <laughs> and i have been rubbing it in their faces for like a month oh boy <laughs> So my oh so, oh gosh so it's also your first service with this church and you have to navigate the fourth of july yep that's exactly my point you know so if i don't say anything why didn't you say anything if i say anything it violates my own principles uh-huh <laughs> you know so i'm i'm finding some compromises um 
the flowers on the altar happen to be a mix of red, white, and blue. That's not terribly obvious. There's a banner that has a, a quote that the nation who has the Lord as their God shall be blessed or, you know, something like that. Psalm, Psalm 33, 12, I think is what it is. And then there was a red, white, and blue wreath that was basically sitting right in front of the altar. I luckily did get that moved mm. <laughs> off to the side in front of the pulpit because I'm like, not on the altar, please. <laughs> mm. So, but, and I'm preaching about identity. I'm mm. Jesus asking his disciples, who do you say that I am? Or who do, who do they say the son of man is? Mm -hmm. And who do you say that I am? And talking about, you know, our identity as a church is to be a people who is called to support one another, who's rooted in Christ. Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, that, that sounds like a solid way to go at it, for sure. Yeah. I um, mean, I, mostly to needle her, to play shoulder devil. <laughs> um, I was, I was encouraging her to preach on the, um, give to, give to Rome what is Rome's or give to Caesar what is Caesar's, um, line. That uh, doesn't necessarily mean what we think it means because oh. the actual verb render give back. In other words, get rid of it. Give it back to Caesar. Show, show me the coin. Show me the coin. Whose head is on the coin? This is idolatry. Give this idol back to Caesar. Get rid of it. Quick. Yeah. That coin that wasn't supposed to be in the temple anyway. Exactly. Uh, you're not supposed to have that coin. Give it back. Pay their taxes. Get rid of it. Quick. <laughs> so pulling, pulling what Gail pulled a little earlier, pulling the, the Back to me, this, this is a uh, TIFU uh, thread on Reddit, TIFU, today I effed up. Mm. Uh, TIFU, by allowing my dad to answer my front door to some evangelists. This wasn't today, it was about 11 years ago, but it's one of those stories that I'll probably tell at my dad's funeral. At the time, I owned a fourplex that I was remodeling. I moved into one of the units while doing the work. It's located on one of the main streets in a busy historic neighborhood in walking distance to a lot. So there's a lot of foot traffic, cars, restaurants, pubs, breweries, offices, library shops, and several churches. My dad was in town staying with me a few days to help do some work. It was morning. I'm in the kitchen making breakfast when there is a knock on my front door. My dad, still wearing his PJ bottoms and a robe with crazy curly puffy morning hair, which I can relate to. I have as curly a hair as it's possible for a white dude to have. Um, <clears throat> opens the door. On my porch stood a few people. Four. They were well-dressed and an even mix of both men and women. They looked like they were heading to church. That's because they were. They were Jehovah's Witnesses who decided to make some rounds before church that morning. Now, I'm not religious in the least. I would have opened the door and been polite but firm in telling them that I have no interest in talking with them and then closed the door to go on with my day. However, my dad is religious. My dad is Seventh-day Adventist. He reads the Bible religiously, and he loves getting into conversations about religion any chance he can. He is also one of those types of people that gets very passionate or overly excited about things he believes in, and he preaches about them. Basically, 
he gets very loud and very animated. And unfortunately for these people, he is very knowledgeable and passionate about the Bible. When he gets hit this way, people get taken aback or plain out scared because they believe he's nuts. Perhaps <laughs> there's some truth to that. Perhaps there's some truth to that. These poor souls had no idea. They had just knocked on Pandora's box. A woman begins by introducing the group and explaining their mission. Basically, they just wanted to hand out a pamphlet and invite people to their church or arrange time to discuss their religion. As soon as she offers my dad the pamphlet, he starts, Dad, I'm going to stop you right there. I understand these pamphlets cost you money to print, so I wouldn't want you to waste one on me. So you can keep that. I am a devout Seventh-day Adventist, and I go to church. I would love you to, to invite you in and discuss religion with you, but this is my son's place. I'm just here to help him do work. And I understand you're just wanting to hand pamphlets out on your way to church. But before you leave, I would like to ask you something. At this point, he's calm and collected and not intimidating or excited. But then comes the question accompanied by the beginning of his manic, passionate mode. Dad, do you believe in the Bible? The response was, yes. Dad, do you believe in the Ten Commandments? The response was, yes. Dad, you're lying. If you believe in the Bible and the Ten Commandments, why do you not honor the Saturday Sabbath? Side note. Seventh-day Adventists believe the Bible refers to Saturday as the true Sabbath, not Sunday. He then goes into scripture about the Sabbath and how the Bible says the true Sabbath is on Saturday and not Sunday, as most believe, etc. And he's full-blown manic at this point. The people were taken aback and responded with something. I don't remember, to be honest, the response. But it was, wasn't good enough for my dad. Dad, do you believe in the commandments? Now the group realizes they've stepped on a hornet's nest and make an attempt to flee. They turned and started walking down the stairs while my dad continues, do you believe in the commandments? They're not even acknowledging him at this point. They just want to be as far away as possible. My dad halfway closed the doors and frantically looks for his slippers and his Bible. By the time he gets them, they're on the sidewalk. He runs outside to the end of the walk. Remind you, he's still in his PJ pants robe and crazy morning hair and a very busy area, literally screaming at them while waving his Bible around as they start moving much faster this time. Do you believe in the Ten Commandments? He continues after them as far as the corner while continuing to determine if they believe in the Ten Commandments before he decided to come back in. I'm inside absolutely dying because I know him. I know how he is and gets. I could tell they were terrified of him because he was acting nuts. To me, it was absolutely hysterical seeing them almost at a full run trying to get away from my dad while he's running towards them screaming at the top of his lungs in his PJ and robes with messy hair, waving his Bible in the air, screaming, do you believe in the Ten Commandments? All while, all while surrounded by a very busy area. My dad calmly walks back into the apartment and says, well, you can guarantee they put your place on their blacklist. And he was probably <laughs> right, since I never once saw them again the rest of my time I remained in that apartment. <laughs> that is beautiful. And that fellow has one Jehovah's Witnesses. He, he just, he beat the game. He beat it. Yep. <laughs> um, man, okay, my story does not... I don't, I don't, I cannot compete with it, but I, I have a confession to make. 
Oh, dang. <laughs> Andrew just stepped away. <laughs> <laughs> um, one time. Oh, man, no. I want, Andrew to, I want Andrew to hear this story. So someone else go, and then I will tell Andrew when he gets back. Let me eat this cherry. <laughs> mm. <laughs> or not. <sighs> so I caffeinated some Mormons once. You caffeinated some Mormons? <laughs> I caffeinated some Mormons. I didn't mean that's, to. That's, um, that's really mean. <laughs> no, I didn't mean to. Okay, so here's 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 what happened. Here's what happened. Um and like like so it was like the summer before I moved to Chicago. Um I'm in my apartment in Lincoln. Some Mormon missionaries come by. We have a good chat. They ask if they can help me clean my apartment because that's how messy my apartment was. And and we have a good chat. Hi, hi, Andrew. Andrew's back now. Um, so, Andrew, I have a confession to make. I accidentally ca- caffeinated some Mormons once. <gasps> oh, by the way, I've been so curious since you uh, since you <laughs> we, we talked about it. How close did you come to actually becoming LDS? Um. Okay, so that's we're gonna put that in a corner because oh. the the answer that okay, put that in a box for now. Like the, the accidentally caffeinating some Mormon story. Okay, so once upon a time, the summer before I moved to uh, Chicago, I was in my apartment in Lincoln, and it was a bit of a mess because uh, I was a garbage twenty-two year old, and that's what you do. And these Mormon missionaries come by and we chat and like, they're like, you know, just like, oh, can we help you clean your apartment? And they're like, no, 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 no. And we, and we have a good chat and I'm sympathetic to Mormons because my, my best friend's Mormon and like, um, she's, she's woke AF as far as Mormons go. Uh, but, uh, but uh, anyway, so we chat and I'm like, I want to make you some hot chocolate. And I had a mocha hot chocolate. And they were like, is mocha caffeine? And I'm like, I don't know. It's hot chocolate, though. So it's probably fine. Because I didn't, I didn't know. Like, it was hot chocolate that my you dad gave me. You didn't stop and read the label. <laughs> and, and it didn't say anything about caffeine. But we, our energy definitely picked up throughout the entire conversation. And great? I'm pretty sure I sent, some, I sent some Mormons out into the world with their first hit of caffeine. I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Yay! <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's uh, uh, it's interesting because uh, um, actually the Mormon Church doesn't teach you can't have caffeine. It teaches you can't have coffee and tea. Okay, so they were probably fine. Probably quite fine. Although a lot of Mormons misunderstand that too. But, I mean. Uh, yeah, no, but like they asked me if it was caffeinated, and I'm like, I don't think it is. But I was also like, man, mocha's not. That doesn't mean caffeine. I'm 22. I don't know. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'll have a caramel mocha latte macchiato. Okay. Um, but yes, as far as so, let me let me go into the deep dive. So, oh dear listeners, um, on Andrew's episode where which we will hear very soon um of faith and what resonates i do talk about talking to some mormon missionaries once upon a time when i was a freshman in college um and it was the summer between freshman and sophomore year and i was feeling all my feelings i was taking summer physics class with michelle and working in telemarketing 
and it was a whole mood. And um, I was missing my friend, uh, my best friend who was Mormon, and I was just feeling all the feelings. And I go out into the 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 quad, as it were, you know, out by the fountain. Um, and, and there's some missionaries there, and I'm like, oh hey, I feel like talking to you. And they're like, oh hey, I just prayed that God would like send someone. And I was like, okay, cool. So we talked, and it was like right as I was starting to improvise and like figure out. Um, how to like like I was starting to like compose and like pretty much anytime I took a break from theater like the spirit brain whatever would be like Gail Gail why aren't you a music major Gail why aren't you a music major and I'd be like God um, and then I'd have to like be like what is this and I'd go in theological rabbit holes when really it was like Gail Go be a music major. What are you doing? Um, anyway, but uh, so anyway, we had a bunch of deep conversations and um, and like I, you know, just started to talk about my UU wonkiness and like we had. Yeah, like I meet with him a couple times just because like I wanted people to talk to a, about things. Um, and I had gotten to the point where I was like and it, this was when I was writing the song that is the theme song for um, Faith of What Resonates. Um, that was a spiritual connection where it was like, I, um, like I didn't really know what my theology was, but I knew that I had a spiritual connection when I was creating music and I knew that it was, and, and, and I felt, felt especially connected to that piece that, da, 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 da. And so um, and I went as far as I went to a one of their um, the services. Uh, is it called a sacrament meeting or I don't know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, meeting. the one where the one where it's like these are all my testimonies. It's an open mic. I it went to one the, of those. It was the first Sunday of the month. That's yeah, Sunday. That's that Sunday. sounds right. Um, and I literally went up to the front and I was like, I really don't know what my relationship with God is right now, but what I know is this. And then I played that song. Oh, how'd they, how'd they take that? I mean, they thought it was cool. It was great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so that is also, dear listener, uh, the, that is the, the backstory of my theme song is at a point in my life where I didn't know what the hell, what, what God was. Uh, I knew that connection to, to music. So that's what that's about. But anyway, so then I had a moment um, as I was like, it was sometime July that year where I'm walking through campus and I like literally cross like a bush between like love, like love library and the union. This is a deep cut for all my Nebraska listeners. And no, that bush. Yeah. I, like literally <laughs> I walked by a bush or at least that's how the story goes. Cause that's, that's what we do. And my brain just went like, there's a God. And I was like, sweet. And then like, I sort of ran with that and got mildly like chaotic about it and I told my mom about it and she was like you're talking to Mormons they wear special underwear you don't want to be a Mormon and I'm like no but like they got me to this place and I was like hey friends I figured this out this is great and they're like okay cool keep praying and you will find out that that you know this is the true church and I was just like and then I'd like stop talking to them because but but it was also like I was working in telemarketing at the time, so it felt like an upsell. It was like at my point where was. I was just, <laughs> yes, because it was the upsell. It was like I had gotten to, they got me to a place of 
of finding that solidarity of that the solidarity that 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 more solid ground um and then they were like but we want more and i was like <clears throat> no that's my story Fine. and now you know the more so what we were your what was your major before or were you undeclared oh no i stayed a theater major the whole time oh the following summer the following summer i had like another midsummer epiphany um and part of it was was like like it was in the middle of i80 which is the other place that we find jesus is between uh is between um des moines and omaha and my brain and like i had this like connection like this this deep connection moment and i think it was i think it was this like you are going to be a musician and you are called to do something other than theater and you are called this way we are calling you this way and i was like is that god i should be a minister um <laughs> <laughs> no gail bad gail <laughs> so like not like i i've had multiple calling moments where it was just like you're exactly where you need to be, but do more music. And I'm like, I, because I had this magical feeling that is unique only to me because I had an atheist mother. And so no one showed me what this looks like. <laughs> um, anyway, uh. that's my rant. Thanks, Bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 that, that, that was a neat story. Good. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and it's so appropriate that you're drunk while telling about your Mormon history. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and that, that was, I was Googling religion memes and I, uh, there was the, the one that I wasn't going to talk about because I just thought it was rude, but now I'm talking about it was the, all these different pictures and different icons from different religions. So there's like the St. Nicholas icon and Ganesh and uh, Jesus and all of these others just crowded around and there's thousands of religions in the world and all of them say that theirs is the only right one and everyone else is going to hell. I hope you guessed right. Yep. <laughs> and I've always been a contrary little shit since I was a little kid mm -hmm. and any religion, any religious person the quickest way to make me want to leave and never come back has been any sort of implication of, well, you better stick with us or you're damned. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that, that reminds me of the, there's a, is hell endothermic or exothermic? <laughs> <laughs> For the for those listeners who haven't heard it, I'm, it's pretty pretty common story, but the story goes that there is a physics test with or Han Yenin. <laughs> we'll, we'll just embellish a little bit here. He, by the way, he was our physics professor when Gail and I took it together. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and so um, so the the exam, the final question on the exam is is hell endothermic or exothermic and so there was the answer that the student put that given the number of religions in the world that are exclusive and believe that those who do not believe go to hell one can start with the assumption that everyone is going to hell then it becomes a matter of space versus time density and if hell is expanding faster 
then the number of people who are entering at any given time, hell will freeze over. If people are entering faster than hell can expand to accommodate them, all hell breaks loose. So, the more you know. Amazing. The, the version I've heard is um, that <clears throat> that since pretty girl in my dormitory still has not slept with me, obviously hell has not frozen over, which means that hell must be endothermic. I used to carry around a book uh, entitled The Problem of Hell, which was a theological, well, it was for a philosophy religion course, but it was uh, The Problem of Hell, which studied hell, the doctrine of hell, as a function of the problem of evil. And you know, I, I always thought it was a fascinating, deep book, and I carried it around one day, and one of my roommates saw it and said, well, it's hot. <laughs> That's the problem with hell. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I was going to take us down another tangent. Take us. Take us. Well, it's not, it's not a comedy thing so much. It's just a, the fact that our modern conception of hell we owe to Dante. Mm. You know, and he was just writing, and he was just writing Greek mythology fan fiction, or Greek philosophy fan fiction. Mm -hmm. Well, there is a hell. It's a place you can go there, and then you can walk up the hill and go back up to the Temple Mount. It's Valley Mm -hmm. of Gehenna. It's a Uh, physical place. mm -hmm. It's just there. It was just a trash heap. That's all it was. Yeah, I I remember when being a teen and a UU teenager and like figuring out my conception of 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 uh my concept of hell and heaven and and just being like what if what if uh you what if what if heaven or what if what if hell is just people in heaven being like I'm in hell and it's all like in your mind man and I remember thinking that was super deep because I was 16. My uh, this isn't this isn't meant to be funny, but my uh, one of my spiritual fathers um, put it this way: um, uh, there are two rooms. One is heaven. One is hell. Uh, both of them are major, huge, luxurious tables. Right, these most beautiful tables that you could ever imagine. Everybody sitting around them in the most beautiful, sumptuous feast is is there. But the in both of them, the shape of the spoons are such that you can't angle your mm-hmm. your 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 hand so as to feed yourself. And in hell, the people are consigned to eternally look at this beautiful feast of just sumptuous food, but they can't feed themselves. And in heaven, they're feeding each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's that I've one. I've heard that one before. Yeah, well, that's Parable of the Spoons, and then that's there's also um, there's like an animation that goes with that one that mm-hmm. that's around, and then also, like I think I I I know in UU circles there's been a thing called a love feast where you actually do the thing where you like feed each other and stuff, and mm-hmm. that's cool. I've never been to one, but that's a thing. Um, <laughs> but have you ever? I'm back to memes for a moment. I was reading one today, and it was um, you. You hear people talking when their dog dies about like, I hope you go to dog heaven where there's plenty of of green grass and shady trees and all the squirrels you can chase. And they were like, Well, that honestly just sounds like squirrel hell. <laughs> and they got into a conversation of, What would a squirrel do to get damned to hell? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and they, got, they actually got into a deep dive about how a squirrel could be so deprived, depraved. Oh, yes. To get <laughs> to squirrel, squirrel hell. Oh my gosh. Um. Oh, and I think I've seen a variation of that. Two problems solved at the same time. Um. I used to joke that Unitarian. So I, I decided that that you uh, you hell is is having to is is you're still in UU heaven, but you um drink decaf. You can only have decaf coffee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, no. and you're on like the worst committee. <laughs> you're on the committee of committees. And you're on the committee of committees with decaf coffee. That's 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 you. You have. We we've stopped calling it that because it sounds so ridiculous and point and pointless. But there actually is a committee on committees. Now it's called the administration committee. Mm-hmm. But it it used to be called the committee on committees. But we had to change it because it sounds like you. I mean, hell. I was I was on I was on the nominating committee, and I got to nominate people to nominating committee. And it, and in my pitch, in my pitch, I I just called it out. I was like, "Hi, I'm nominating you to the nominating committee, thus like fulfilling my role as a." Turbo UU church lady. Let's have um, a meeting. Yeah. Let's have yeah. a meeting about the topic of the next meeting. Quiet. We're having a meeting, meeting about a meeting. <laughs> well, have you ever, has anybody here ever read the um, Neil Gaiman comic series Lucifer or watched the adaptation on Netflix? Not, not, um, not the one with uh, with um, David Tennant. That that's that's something different, right? That's good omens. Thank you. Yeah, that's good omens. I also, think I've seen the first season or so. Well, the thing is, and it's 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 connected to his Sandman series, um, I believe. Um, but the it's brilliant. Um, but there, um, the point of it is. The, it's very and it's it's all tied up very closely into Jewish and Christian mythology, um, and I'm using that term very consciously. So, it, like Lilith is a character, Sophia is a character, uh, the archangel, archangels and the the ranks of angels that aren't ever defined in the Bible but are included in tradition are there, but it's very cl- clear that Lucifer might be the serpent, but might not be. I mean, it's clear that it's unclear. And it's clear that Lucifer is the punisher of evil, is not the source of evil. Mm. That the serpent's crime was not tempting them to eat the fruit of the knife, of the knowledge of good and evil, that they were always meant to eat the knowledge of good and evil. It was tempting them to eat it too soon. Mm. For It was to disrupt God's timetable. Mm. Interesting. Uh, and that, uh, that that was also, that Sophia, uh, the, the spirit of wisdom, who was co-creator of the universe with God, with Yahweh, was also a conspirator with the serpent. Um, anyway, um, so 
uh, there is an episode wh where um, we see one of the damned souls punishment in hell and the other one of the big constructs of this is that everyone creates their own hell mm. everyone um and that ultimately the greatest punishment for any human is loneliness mm. um and you anybody can be freed from hell but they must free themselves they must believe that they deserve to be free. Um, so this guy, he's a he's a major secondary character's ex-husband, um, and he wakes up at the beginning of the episode from coma, and he's Lucifer's therapist's ex-husband, and he believes he's been in a coma for two years, and he tracks down his ex-wife who has a uh, restraining order against him mm. and figures out that this character, this guy who she's doing therapy with, um, who claims to be Lucifer, is this really bad guy and has all these connections to organized crime and is working with the police to solve these unsolvable crimes. And he's obviously crazy because he's claiming to be Lucifer, but there's something deeper. And oh my gosh, he actually is Lucifer. And he's trying to save his ex-wife and she keeps telling him to butt out and things get deeper and deeper and then he gets himself killed. And then he wakes back up and he's back in the hospital and he just goes through this loop over and over again. And it, it seems to be out of continuity when you encounter that episode, but it's setting it up because later in that story arc, Lucifer has to return to hell to do some other stuff. So it's explaining how hell works in that universe. But it's just... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, like, other things that they have established in that, in that is that there are no porn stars in hell. Go on. Um, that <laughs> that uh, the, the definition of sin and, and a mortal sin that will get you to hell are very clearly stated. Sin is something which causes you to become separated from the divine and separated from your fellow humans. Mm -hmm. So being a being a sexual predator definitely qualifies as a mortal sin mm -hmm. being a an ethical sex worker no and you don't become a porn star if you weren't ethical so um that's a little naive in reality yeah. but like what's his name the, the ron jeremy mm -hmm. turns out is like there are enough people he's sexually assaulted to have filed yes. a class action lawsuit yeah, exactly. against yeah. him. Yeah. But yeah, well, and the 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 notion of like I I definitely resonate with the the idea of um sin like that that whole like 
the the concept of sin as missing the mark or not connecting with people like that that is that that w- has always been very like grounding in my concept of sin and then like also i go down a lot of like buddhist deep dives and like buddhist adjacent deep dives that really talk about how like um sin and like the the idea of original sin is is like our tendency to like it's essentially like anxiety like our fight or flight and our and our fight flight or freeze response and all of that and our 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 wanting to like wall up and like our tendency to like um go into that survival mode place and that is that Hmm. is that is sort of a helpful dichotomy for me where it's like okay there's there's the fight or flight mode and then there's the the more um some assorted people refer to the attend and befriend mode um Mm -hmm. you know and and sort of working through those two dichotomies i also just legitimately did what i sing about in my song deep thoughts where pretty soon i'm a few beers in and i'm saying something about how the ego is original sin i did it here i am Um, (laughs) um, well but andrew has talked about this repeatedly especially with the conversation that's going on in the world right now about critical race theory mm -hmm. that any sin anything that separates us from the divine or from each other which resonates through the generations is original sin a cricket no it wasn't a it was reinhold niebuhr who said that original sin is the only doctrine of christianity that is empirically verifiable <clears throat> in other words you you can just look out and see it you don't have to to, to prove it by scripture and I have to do agree with you. And in, in, in a lot, there's a lot of resistance to the doctrine of original sin, but I actually think it's quite beautiful to under, if you understand it right. I mean, it isn't a simple matter of uh, Adam sinned and therefore I'm going to beat you with a stick because you're responsible for mm-hmm. it too. No, no, it's mm-hmm. it's that look. You're already no. condemned, and only Jesus can save you from that. Please sign on the, this contract. Um, yeah. Ignore the terms and conditions. Anyway, no, it's 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 rather that that the actions of our parents affect us, mm-hmm. and it is to a very large extent our responsibility. Not in the sense that we ought to be ashamed of them. Not in the sense that we're horrible, wicked people because of what people who aren't us have done. But rather in the sense that we do have to confront the reality of how what our parents have done does affect us Mm -hmm. and how we do benefit from from things that our parents have done that weren't ethical and that Mm -hmm. there is a sense in which we have to repent of things that we ourselves have not done and i i think that applying this to critical race theory the white community the european community in this country especially has to repent Mm-hmm. And it's not because individual white people, and this is something that, that a lot of people just do not get. And it's so fascinating to me that so many of these people who don't get it yet also believe in the doctrine of original sin, and yet they don't get it. It's like yeah. we have to repent of things that we ourselves have not done, that we didn't choose. Oh, but what if, that, what if that's because the, the doctrine of original sin in the sense of Eve fucked up, so I'm going to beat you with a stick, is supposed to be a get-out-of-jail-free card for your parents fucked up, so now you have to do some work to change things. 
Well, exactly. And, 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 and more than that, I think that uh, the, the, the understanding of, of um, original sin in a very retributive sense, which doesn't make any sense. How can you be retributively punished for something you didn't do? But anyway, the, the understanding of it in a retributive sense that you bear retributive guilt for something that our parents have done. Well, that, that's easy because all you have to do is be forgiven of your retributive guilt, right? And so that's a, that, that's a cheap grace way out. There, there really isn't a need to amend your life or to admit, admit the ways in which you systemically participate in original sin. You simply have to be forgiven of it. It's bullshit and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> cheap grace. I don't know if I've heard that phrase before, but I like it. Dietrich, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer. Yep. Yeah, grace without... Re- uh, I should. My book is in my work office, otherwise you, I'd pull it out I'm, and quote I'm it. I'm taking it back to memes. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, because that made me think of something. Um, sorry. Um, so... Uh, that just made me think of a meme that that I saw yesterday. So it's just it's just um, it's just white text on black, but it says error. It looks like you've attempted to jump to healing, reconciliation, and unity without passing through accountability and consequences. Please go back and finish accountability and consequences before trying to successfully load healing, reconciliation, and unity. Um, which I th- <laughs> I think that connected in there where it's like oh I want, love that yeah you want like you have to you have to actually like unpack the problem before you get into the 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 processing of it like you have yeah. to right feelings in there yeah we don't even admit we have a problem in this country sometimes do you yeah. remember roy um uh, michelle mm-hmm. R- roy was so helpful uh, so the way he put it is is that the real sin in the garden was when they tried to hide. It wasn't well, their lying. Saying. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Like it's 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 their hiding and that, the blaming each other. Well, it's it's not even the blaming so much as well. The the blaming was the hiding, but it's it's they're 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 ashamed, and so they hide from it. And that, that's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly what our our whole the, our whole country is doing. We're we're, we're ashamed. We're deeply yeah. ashamed, and so mm-hmm. we hide from any responsibility or any need to confront the truth we sew fig leaves together and <laughs> in order to, to to psychologically protect ourselves from the reality of racism because yeah. we're ashamed of it so yeah and on fig leaves i have a fig a miniature fig tree growing outside and it is the one thing that is enjoying this stupid climate change fueled heat wave <laughs> mm. oh. Oh, I did find one that I, uh, a meme that I like it right now, and it's Lord, show me the way. But it's spelled W H E Y, and it's Jesus holding a, pa- a a big jar of protein powder. And Jesus, get those gains, bro. Yeah, that's funny. I like the Republican Jesus memes. Mm. <laughs> Demonstration of like how utterly anti-Jesus uh, Republican Jesus is. Yeah. Oh, oh I, here's I, one. I go to Catholic school and it's locker 665 right next to locker 667. <laughs> and yet every book, every, every Bible that's ever been printed has a page 666. Yeah. Yeah. You look very <laughs> tired, Gail. 
N- I I was going to go down a a rant rabbit hole and and bring things another way, but then I didn't. But also, yes, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm very curious about what rabbit oh, hole. Oh, when you said Republican Jesus, I just I I I went down like my my own like reaction <laughs> to are, are Republican you... Jesus. Are you a Republican? No. Oh. Oh my God, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was about to say, no. I hope I didn't offend you. No, 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 no. Well, I mean, no. like that whole no. thing we okay. that whole conversation so. <laughs> we were having about best practices before this. No. No, 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 no. Uh, first of all, my parents met working on a political campaign. So uh with the Democratic Party. Uh, so even when they were divorced, they got along about politics. I didn't know your parents divorced, Gail. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's a whole other, that's a whole other ball of wax. But, um, but they were pretty, they were pretty solid with, like, co-parenting, and they lived, like, around the block from each other. But, um, but yes, uh, that, that is, that is the Unitarian mother and the... What, the, with the Unitarian mother and the Catholic father, and they got along with progressive politics. So there's that. Anyway, um, but no, the thing of the so the thing about Republican Jesus is that there's this like whole rabbit like my relationship with Jesus is very complicated, and so uh, anytime someone shows any signs of being with Republican Jesus or really any sort of like like if i don't know them super well but they're like i'm a christian i like go through like a like the the dots start to align around them in my head and then i'm just like okay okay are someday are we gonna have an awkward conversation is something gonna happen and i still do that despite the fact that i'm on this lovely uh interfaith media network <laughs> it's lovely people but like yeah it's just it's 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 this like thing that I go through where when people say they're Christian and then I have to like look for flags to see what kind they are and what flavor they are. And and so that's sort of where my head went with the Republican Jesus, because mm. there, there are people in my orbit who are definitely <laughs> oh, <sorry>. <laughs> Republic. Very often they carry literal flags. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I was like, well, yeah. I, I, so often I want to respond to something like with that, like, I've had an appendectomy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Were we sharing irrelevant personal details about ourselves? <laughs> but I haven't had an appendectomy. So it's like, what would I share? I had a tonsillectomy. I could say that. Are they That's like interesting? Are like, are you Christian? And I'm like, yes. So I will share that I've, I've, what I've, what I've decided, what I figured out is like, I see it as UUism is a giant circle, and then within that circle is Christianity, but also within that circle is Buddhism and like a bunch of other nonsense. Mary Oliver probably has her own circle because. <laughs> you know, it can be her own tradition um but yes but 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 i say i'm unitarian universalist christianity is one of the circles inside the larger circle mm. i'm good please don't try to save me <laughs> like yeah but gail i i i 
I want you in heaven with me. I, I want you, when, when I go to heaven, because I have a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, I, I don't want to think about you in hell because you don't. Well, you know what? I'm fine because I don't believe in hell. <laughs> heaven for the view, I'm hell the for the company. What are yeah, you? like, well. I, yeah, I don't know, like, like, because then it feels like, oh, well, you need to sign the paperwork. Like, you know, anyway, sorry. It's that was. Well, it's like my my soul lease is up next year. And after that, I'll get back to you. But I don't I'm not ready to make any commitments right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's the other one that gets to me. The other one that gets to me is there. There's this apocryphal story. Uh, the conquistadors in um, one of the Caribbean islands right off um Mexico and the, the the chief of the tribe there and they're getting ready to hang him and the priest comes up to him and says we're giving you one last chance to convert it's like so you want me to convert so I can go to heaven yes will there be Spaniards in heaven yes I don't think so yeah amen it's interesting the the, the you know I I um I I think I I, I get it where, where a lot of evangelicals are coming from when they, they so passionately think of hell because, you know, I, I, when, I, when I think of Pat Robertson or Jerry Falwell, or, or when Pat Robertson dies, I'm going to have to restrain myself from thinking, boy, hell just got a lot hotter because mm-hmm. I swear I can't stand that guy. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's and they're all Christians. Everybody I have feelings about this way are people who are supposedly my sisters and brothers in Christ. People who 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 to me they blaspheme the Lord by 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 taking Jesus and turning it him into a, a kind of platform to assert their own hurtful, hateful, damning demonic ideology. And so it's like you know I I I don't. When it comes to heaven and hell, and I have an understanding of hell. I mean, it's not exactly the evangelical understanding, but when it comes to heaven and hell, I don't worry about my my, my Muslim friends. I don't worry about my Jewish friends. I don't worry about my Unitarian friends. Hi guys. I don't worry about my <laughs> atheist father, my atheist wife. I I really worry about my evangelical Christian sisters and brothers. I really do, because I I mean, it seems to me that what the, the kind of blasphemy that they engage in is just absolutely and and it just so pisses me off mm-hmm. and hi well, <laughs> for me it's, yeah. it's what a sad existence that has to be to yeah. to conceive of god that way mm-hmm. to for for me it's i don't want to love a god who rules by fear and by manipulation Mm -hmm. i'm not sure that's like quite the right word but intimidation yeah 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 it's like we we don't need that yeah that's not what god desires well yeah and i i look at it from like the holistic aspect of like you create the god you create reflects on like what your your up you know like if your god 
sounds super abusive. I have some thoughts about what, you know, how, how, how did you get there? <laughs> like, you know, and what, yeah. what is happening in there? One and two, my concept of hell is the, since my concept of hell is so based in like psychology, it's like, my dudes, you're there right now by, by judging people like that. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that sort of narcissism is your own like personal hell. And I have empathy, you know, there's, there's a certain empathy towards that, but it's just like, oh my gosh, like, um, yeah. Um, anyway, and this is the part where I throw in a, a, there's probably well, Richard Rohr, I think refer refer often refers to like the more evangelical blend as like, uh, like more like preschool theology or like like the the basic, <laughs> yeah, Amen. yeah, like yeah. where it's, where you're still doing the thing of like you know the the strong like good and evil and I have to do everything exactly literally, but then like as you grow, it's like oh how do I actually ground this in my humanity and how do I actually, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of self-acceptance that has to come with that journey. Um, I'm not super articulate because I don't have an MDiv, but I hope that got went somewhere. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. You, so. you know, Richard Rohr better than I, I, I don't really, I've I get his emails every day for like I've, the I've past, never. like four years. I've not read any. Nice. Richard Rohr. Dude, like get on his email list. It's I very will. good. Um, um, but the uh, so James, who's our one of our new um, non-board members, who's joining um, Faith in the Dice with me and Kyrie. He was. Um, he's. Uh, he just submitted his first final draft of his um, dissertation for his PhD, which he's doing in mythological studies. So he is an academic theologian. He is not a ministerial theologian. Uh, He is married to a Unitarian Universalist pastor. (laughs) Uh, But he is obsessed with, uh, in a good way, Vampire the Masquerade, which is a role-playing game. It's part of the larger World of Darkness universe. That is the game that he is going to be running for all of us, which we are going to be playing on a probably a Saturday or Sunday session. Um, He's going to be running it. All of the new faith, new media uh, people are going to be playing it. But he was he's one of the things in Vampire the Masquerade. All of the characters are vampires and everybody chooses a discipline. Um, The thing is that the, the disciplines are how the vampires try to hold on to their humanity in the face of two things which are in conflict with their humanity. He talks about it much more eloquently and much more knowledgeably. The two things are, one, you have to drink human blood to survive. Um, So you, and through the course of your eternal lifetime, you eventually, no matter how hard you try, no matter what steps you take, are, pro- are undoubtedly going to kill somebody to get that blood. So your life is, requires uh, you to kill other people to survive. The other thing is, 
that as long as you have a supply of blood, you're effectively immortal. Hmm. So how do you hold on to your sanity, to your, to your humanity in the face of those two things, which are in conflict with sanity, with humanity? Um, so the, he talks brilliantly about it. Um, so, but that's one of the core aspects of this game is exploring those. And one of the things, one of the paths you can take, one of the disciplines you can take is effectively setting yourself up as the tempter, as the serpent, is that you are, you find meaning and purpose in going around tempting the ethics, the discipline, the spirituality of others. And you will never, and most of them never admit this, but ultimately what they're trying to find is someone strong enough to defeat their temptation. So. Well, that would um, be a fun game to play. Yeah. Uh, if we didn't make it clear to the listeners, this will be an episode of Faith and the Dice, which is the new show that that's starting up. Hooray. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Faith and the Dice is starting in our second quarter, which will be starting in September. Woo. Um, um, this game session uh, will be bonus content. The discussion afterwards will be a regular episode. Oh, okay, so. cool. cool. Cool, cool, So It reminded um, me for some reason of uh, Spock's solution to the Kobayashi Maru uh, sacrifice. Hmm that uh, the no-win scenario can be broken. And that sort of resonated with me in a sense of uh, 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 Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan is, in a sense, Spock is the Christ character in that film. And it starts off with this understanding of, uh, of a Kobayashi Maru, an unwill- a scenario that just, it's, it's unwinnable. And of course, the, the way Kirk beats it is by cheating. And uh, Savic, the, the the young Vulcan officer, can't understand what the point of uh, of the Kobayashi Maru is. I don't understand how is there such a thing as an unwinnable scenario. And of course, Kirk beats it by cheating, but Spock beats it by allowing himself to die for others. And I don't know. It seems to me that if there is a way to hold on to one's humanity, if one has to kill in order to survive, mm. then the Kobayashi Maru the solution is to let oneself die instead of Hmm. kill others right well and like the i i mean that was one thing i was thinking is like the there is a medical condition that is actually somewhat common in humans called um porphyria or hemochromatosis is the one i was thinking which is hemochromatosis is when too much iron builds up in your blood right um so you have to, and the, the treatment for it is you have to donate blood regularly. Um, and so it would seem like a, a simple solution would be to, so for a, a vampire who wants to remain ethical, to hook up with a human who has hemochromatosis, Especially in the United States, if where if you are a gay man who's sexually active, you cannot donate blood for one year after having sex with another man, which is an entirely political rule. It has mm-hmm. no basis in scientific fact because they test for HIV every time you donate blood anyway. 
Um, so it's just, but um, so like if you're a gay guy who has hemochromatosis, find a vampire. Uh, seems like a win-win solution. But the reason that it's not is that when vampires feed, they go into a blood rage. Mm-hmm. And also when a vampire is injured or sick, they need extra blood. So sometimes, so like if they got into a fight or something and needed to feed to heal or whatever. So that I think you <clears throat> just described a very excellent like fan fiction or something that needs to exist because there's absolutely a market for whatever that plot is. Um, I'm just gonna say. <laughs> Um, so it is getting, it is getting late. We've been talking for a while. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, listeners. Um, we've enjoyed this. I hope you guys have too. Um, everybody, please tell your friends that you enjoy listening to our wild rambling and encourage others to give us at least two dollars a month so that they can also listen to our wild record and also support new faith new media um as we Uh, grow in the world yes uh please please uh share like and share us on all of your social media platforms and blessings be upon you my our children and cousins and siblings Michelle, say something. Go in grace. There we go. (laughs) Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. Obligatory wave. (laughs) New faith, new media. Theology. Nerdery. Community.